Okay, so this your girl Cosmic Brownie. Okay, so oh man, I just wanted to talk about Marjorie Taylor Green. Um, this is Newsweek. Um, yesterday said at seven p.m. Marjorie Taylor Greene suggests Second Amendment rights should be used against Democrats. What? GOP Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene suggests using Second Amendment rights on those who try to implant what she referred to as tyrannical government. Green, who appeared on former President Donald Trump White House aide Sebastian Grokas radio program Tuesday, was talking about programs proposed by Georgia gubernatorial candidate Stacey Abrams. I was just talking about her. The freshman congresswoman mentioned that Abrams and her announcement announcement speech said she will will purposely aggressive aggressive vaccinations of Georgian. She would pursue aggressive vaccinations of Georgians. While in an argument with Abrams State stance on vaccination, Green then trans transcended and moved into the Gerber natural color candidate stance on guns and the second amendment saying the best thing she talked about was grabbing people's guns she hates georgia's second amendment rights she wants to stop the constitutional carry green said green continue offer advice to georgia's current governor and state lawmakers urging him to pass sign sign legislation to combat abrams call for grub grabbing people's guns she went on to say, uh, ultimately, the truth is our Second Amendment rights, our rights to bear arms that protect Americans and give us the ability to defend ourselves from our tyrannical government, she said. And I hate this language, but Democrats, but Democrats, they are exactly, they are doing exactly what our founders talked about when they gave us this precious right that we have. Hmm. Hmm. Yes, yes, yes. And she's right. She's right. She's right. A hundred percent. I like Marjorie Taylor Green. That's my girl. I mean, I looked at her since uh, last year. heck is this i'm looking at so i see experts hope covid will move from pandemic to endemic soon <laughs> they got this on the news what what i do i think I, that was a uh, laura ingram i'm looking at right now oh my goodness so i mean because they was just talking about um uh, well amy coney barrett brung up when is this pandemic going to end? And that went viral, like in two, three days, like a hundred, well, one million views, two, one point two million views. So, I guess now they want to have it on the news, like, okay, 
don't know. I don't know. It kind of, I don't know. I just don't know what to say about none of this shit. So I just don't. Mm-mm. Oh, wow. They got more news about Marjorie Taylor Greene. Um, Marjorie Taylor Greene gets gap, get her boost after Twitter ban. Way down overall. Oh, look, Marjorie Taylor Greene accused government of murder over withholding ivermectin for COVID. <laughs> Man, Marjorie Taylor Greene's going ham. What is this on Newsweek? Republican rep Marjorie Taylor Greene on Sunday accused federal government of murder for withholding ivermectin as a treatment for COVID-19. The government can't mandate a vaccine if there are treatments for COVID and early treatment of ivermectin and uh, monocle antibodies is a cure in most cases, she wrote. In Telegram posts, withholding treatments is murder, and I believe the government is responsible. Ivermectin is an anti-parasitic drug that some believe can treat COVID, but in the U.S. Food and Drug Administration (FDA) and the National Institute of Health warned that it is unauthorized for the use of COVID patients. That's true. They did say that all last year. They kept on saying, um, they use it for, um, I think it was. Like um, uh, like donkeys or uh, they say they you they swab their donkeys for them to for something. Like that's how they um. I forgot what they call it. If they was making fun of it, they call it a uh, horse uh dewormer or something. Horse dewormer. That's what they was calling horse dewormer. They kept calling it something, and they was like y'all using horse dewormer. To treat COVID, y'all crazy, y'all disgusting, y'all some animals. So yeah, so Marjorie Taylor Green, she said, Mar- it say, it say, meanwhile, Health Canada and Health Canada also warned against the drug and noted that there is no evidence that ivermectin in either human or veterinarian formation is safe or effective when used for those purposes <laughs> uh veterinarian see the human or veterinary because they was trying to say is horse dewormer uh it says still green insisted that ivermectin is well known cheap self-infected job that saves lives in foreign countries you can walk in the pharmacy and buy ever over the counter without a prescription like i did Ooh. And many save lives, she said. In America, the FDA tells pharmacies not to fill ivermectin prescriptions, even if it's prescribed for COVID. Even if it's pre- even if they prescribe it for COVID. Oh my God. Mother is telling Green. Um, is going ham. Oh, look, look, look! They got right wing pastor rips. Trump for support and vaccines. He is going to lose his voter base. Oh my gosh, he's going to lose his his voter base. So let's look at that. It said right wing pastor blast Trump. 
this on Newsweek. I'm looking at Newsweek. Um, this came out January 10th, 2022. All this stuff is recent stuff, so I have to, I want to make sure that I just stay up to date. And I know people be busy. Like, I, I'm i at home, and I find myself busy all the time still. So let's look at this. Let's say listen to the article. Now, I ain't going to listen to it. Controversy, right? Read Pastor Green Luke. I don't even know who that is. I don't, Greg Luke. I don't even know who that is. I'm not going to lie to you. I don't know who that is. I need to look him up. I should look him up right quick. <sighs> Tell y'all how he look. <laughs> I guess it really don't matter. It said recently criticized former President Trump for supporting coronavirus vaccines, insisting that Trump is going to lose his voter base if he continues to do so. Luke, who previously touted election conspiracy theories in favor of Trump, told members of his church that he is sick of the former president promoting protective. COVID-19 measure. He was lied to and he knows it. And his arrogance won't let him change his mind. I'm telling you right now on the authority of the Bible, if Donald Trump does not get out in front of this vaccine nonsense, he's going to lose his voter base in the next coming election. Luke, who said during a recent sermon, according to a video posted by White Ring on Monday. So, <clears throat> wow. Is it me? I don't know what to believe. This is, it's like the new, the, 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 the <laughs> this stuff is everywhere. And this is, is this, I wonder, is this just part of the, the crackdown, the crackdown on society? And, Every, everybody is just losing faith in everything and everyone, you know, just fall apart. Oh, here it goes. Oh, so mega pastor Greg Luke is now, re- okay, see, I see he, this, he's the guy, I see him. I'm going to say something, I don't care how ticked off you get. I'm going to say something, listen to me. Stop. If I say stop, stop sitting on your butt and waiting for Donald Trump to do something in this nation. Mm. Stop it. Stop it. He gave the evangelicals a mighty voice, and I'm glad. Whether he runs or not, it's on him, not on me. But I'm sick of Trump worship in this church. Where's my fucking hear me? Let me tell you something. He was lied to and he knows it. Mm. And his arrogance won't let him change his mind. I'm telling you right now, on the authority of the Bible, if Donald Trump does not get out in front of this vaccine nonsense, he is going to lose his voter base in the next coming election. I'm telling you, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. I don't care, man. Don't come back. I don't care. 
If you come here because I like Trump, you're in the wrong house anyhow. You better come here because I love Jesus. Yep, so yeah, man. It's crazy. It's really something. So, it's a lot of stuff. There's a lot of news. There's a lot of everything going on. Everything. And I don't know. I don't know if I can trust Newsweek. I don't ever really hear stuff about Newsweek, but this is on here. So, I guess. <laughs> oh, yeah, they got the, I know Trump see all this. You no, know, and I'm thinking about Alex Jones. I should go to his page because I haven't been on his on his website in a long time because I I was just like I said, I was mad at him. I'm really mad at him. I feel like he gotta change too. Oh, <laughs> Let's see if I can go back to that because I'm just I just saw something right now. It say Trump calls politicians who refuse to say they got they received COVID boosters gutless. Are you serious? I don't know. Fuck you. I'm serious. Fuck you. On the NBC Washington, former President Donald Trump on Tuesday criticized politicians who refused to say they got to receive the COVID booster shot. And an interview with far-right cable, One American News, Trump said he received the booster and and has seen politicians get asked in interviews whether they got the third shot. They say they got, they don't want to say it because they are gutless. Trump said, you gotta say it, whether you had it or not, say it. But the fact that is, I think the vaccine saved tens of millions of lives throughout the world. I believe Abba had absolutely not no side effects. Trump said that the COVID vaccine largely prevents people from being hospitalized or dying from the disease. If they get it, they are not going to going to the hospital for the most part and dying, Trump said. Before it was a horror and now they are not. Trump and the latest comments appeared to be partly attempt to change the dialogue around his vaccines and take credit for the effort. In the interview, Trump referred to the pandemic response under his presidency, saying he had done so well with therapeutics and vaccines and everything else and getting them done in record time, although the administration rollout was plugged by delays and shortages during this time in office, former president also publicly downplayed the virus impact. And extreme mad days on safety precautions such as mask wearing. Trump's remarks in the interview also appeared to be par to be directed. At Florida Gov, Ron DeSantis considered a possible Republican contender for for president in 2024, who has so far refused refused to directly answer questions whether he has received a booster shot. Wait a minute. So you saying DeSantis 
refused to ask if he got the booster shot. Man, I seen, like I said, I seen DeSantis eyes glowing and he had this slit. I wish, you know what, I'm going to put it in my Rumble video. I'm going to find it. I'm going to put it in my Rumble video. Y'all go find me on Rumble dash comp cosmic brownie. So I really don't really read all this shit because I'm just like, they lie. All of it. And I just feel like I don't trust none of them. That's why I said I don't trust none of them because they go back and forth. They say something that's true and then they go lie, lie, lie. That's what they do. And you, you be confused. You be like, but you just said this that was true and now you sitting here lying. That's how you confuse people. So, Marjorie Taylor Green, I can, I I vote for her. How about that? We gonna vote for Marjorie Taylor Green. <laughs> we gonna write somebody in them. They always say they adjudicate. You know how people write in those blank those blank uh, spaces, like when when um when uh ooh when um. When you voting and they have that little blank space and you picking a president and they have that little blank space, you can write a name in there. And they say they usually adjudicate those. And I want to ask Dr. Shiva why and then can we switch it where we can where we can't adjudicate those, especially if a, a large number of people did the same thing all in every state. Like, you know what I'm saying? That would be something. And we put, because I was thinking about Dr. Shiva, but we put Marjorie Taylor Greene on there. You know what I'm saying? Like, I hate to be trying to um, be along in this, um, you know, basically still try to use their system to survive, basically. But if nothing don't happen, if we feel like we... If we don't get nowhere, we should vote for her or either um, Matt Gates because they the only one that's standing up to this um, um, January 6th stuff. You know what I'm saying? They read, they come and then Marjorie and Taylor Greene talking about um, how the government is committing murder. I don't see why we wouldn't vote for her. She the only one by herself, and she been doing that for a long time. Like this is not new. She been a writer since last year. There's nothing she have done that I can really say I question her about. Like I want to know what Marjorie Taylor did that had you question her loyalty. Nothing, and I feel like no one give her enough credit, and she deserved that. She deserved it, and I will put her name on the ballot if I had to put anybody's name on the ballot. So, I'm just it's just a thought. My opinion is just a thought because I'm like, you know, I don't trust nobody. I really don't. And I'm going to trust the people that's been sitting here, you know, right. If we can't demolish this government, can we try to put some people in that we feel like that's been riding for us? We need to go and, and see how these people voting. I really don't know how Marjorie Telegram, I'm pretty sure that she don't really have a say so in, you know, anything because she been stripped from all her committees. So she be having free time to go talk and 
you know, basically spread the word and stuff like that and give courage and understanding. So I can respect her 100 percent. And I feel like she deserves way more credit than she have been getting since 2020. She's been just you know, going ham and speaking the truth. And there's nothing, I, not one video that I can say that I saw with her that I could say, what, the, what? I don't agree with that. And right now, Trump is at that point where I don't agree with him and I don't even like him at this point. So <clears throat> we got to do what we got to do, man. We can't, we can't, we can't keep on expecting. Either we get rid of this government or we go with her. And I'm not saying that we're going to figure something out by 2024. Hopefully we can, but I don't know if everybody ready. Like, I know the work, working people ready to get something popping. But it got to be something positive. We don't want, we don't want uh, a civil war. I mean, that's practically what Kazakhstan is going through right now. They don't have any guns. We Americans have guns. So these military got to think twice. They probably going to get the best of the best tanks to come on our blocks. But we can have nice guns too. But the, if you think about, look at that, look how they train. Have you ever seen the, um, how they train, how they, um, deploy, how they, uh, get off the, uh, you know, how they ride with the tanks and how there'll be guards on the side. Yeah, yeah, that's real. So they ain't always in that tank. So, but um, mm -mm, it's been real, y'all. I mean, the best thing we can do is hope that we win. Wait, 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 wait. It says CDC might change, got, change guidance again, recommended better masks. Let's listen, let's listen. It's a reasonable amount of time in an N95 mask. Um, they're hard to tolerate all let's day. Let's Changing its recommendations on masks, saying to wear the N95 or the K95, if you can, instead of cloth masks. Why? And maybe another question is, why finally are mm -hmm. they going to change this? Yeah, I mean, look, this this one surprises me. I mean, at the beginning of the pandemic, um, there was maybe a reason not to widely recommend those masks, uh, these high filtration masks, but they've been in, you know, they've been in good supply for some time now, KN95 or N95 masks. We've talked about this on your program for a long time now, saying why not just recommend those masks, especially given uh, the, the contagiousness of this virus and these new variants. In fact, I asked Dr. Walensky and Dr. Fauci about this um, uh, quite some time ago at a town hall, maybe close to a year ago. Listen to what they said. Why not just recommend it, especially with these more transmissible variants? Yeah, it's a really good question and one we get a lot. Um, I have spent a reasonable amount of time in an N95 mask. Um, they're hard to tolerate all day, every day. And in fact, when you really think about um, how well people will wear them, I worry that if if we suggest or require that people wear N95s, they won't wear them all the time. They're, they're very hard to breathe in when you wear them properly. They're very hard to tolerate when you wear them for long periods of time. 
You know, I, wow. yeah, this surprised me again a little bit. I mean, a lot of people have been wearing these masks now over the past year. Mm. Um, yeah, they, they are they are a mask, so you you do have to be, be uh, conscious of that. But but not they're not that uncomfortable. I don't think most people have been wearing them pretty comfortably. They provide a lot more protection. We can show the protection of cloth mask versus surgical mask versus KN95, and it's really not even close. I, I still always go back to this something Abrar Karan told me. Uh, which is that if everyone wore one of these high filtration masks in public for four weeks, we could essentially bring an end to the pandemic. So I'm glad they're finally talking about it. I don't know why it's taken so long. but Because they didn't want to end the pandemic. Because <laughs> they didn't want to end it. Hello. <laughs> it's a... Uh -huh. And uh, other essential services as uh, this variant sweeps through the population. I don't think that will last a really long time, uh, but that's what I, where I think we are right now. So I don't think prior um, you know, approaches reflect what's going on right now. I think it's hard to process what's actually happening right now, which is most people are gonna get COVID. All right, and what we need to do is make sure the hospitals can still function, transportation, you know, other essential services are not disrupted while this happens. I think after that will be a good time to reassess uh, how we're approaching this uh, pandemic. Official sound alarm again, rise in COVID. They still gonna keep pushing us. They still gonna keep pushing us. They gonna keep cause they they in court right now. So they gotta they gotta make it seem like, oh, this is serious. Oh. Put the um put the news on y'all um yeah um yeah it's it's rising it's rising 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 it's rising yeah it's rising with the vaccines available <laughs> all right y'all so I'll see y'all next time <laughs> that's my motion detector on my rig so. I don't have a dog, so I just set it as a dog thing, you know. So, um, y'all stay positive, stay informed, and stay free, like Roman said. I mean, there is nothing that can take the knowledge away. So, you know, not to get these jabs. Don't get them jabs. Don't get them jabs. Don't do it, okay? Because it's gonna come out. It's, it's gonna something's gonna happen. I don't know what it is. I feel I have a feeling, I have a vision that this all gonna come out. They gonna lose their credibility, and people gonna be free, and 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 we gonna find, we gonna go all the way to the roots of this of this planet, and we gonna find everything under everything underground. We gonna we gonna investigate. We're going to investigate, and we should. And I can see that. We all should see that because. That's why they want to tell our vision what to see so we can make that reality. But what we need to do is tell our own vision what to see and we can make that reality too. So let's just think, how about, I think if millions of people was to do this same technique, 
we will be free tomorrow. I just feel like that. We will be free tomorrow. And uh, that being said, y'all, have a good one. subsidies that they have proposed and driving up the costs for average hardworking Texas families. When it comes to our Democratic colleagues and their Washington knows best attitude, they've tried to force every person into this country into a one-size-fits-all health care system that, yes, government controls. They've argued that the President of the United States has the power this home inspector is not your average Joe. <coughs> See, they want to sit here and pretend like they got power. That's why we should sit here and claim power, too. Because it's right. It's our right to. Including those in the private sector to get a vaccine, regardless of whether they have naturally occurring antibodies as a result of having gotten COVID-19. And now they're mounting a federal takeover of America's state-run election. That's what we'll be talking about a lot this week. As I said, this is consistent with this attitude that Washington knows best. Not parents, not teachers, not business owners, not the workers, not even governors, mayors, sheriffs, city council, or local election officials. No. Washington knows best is their attitude. State the obvious, that is not how the United States of America was designed under our Constitution. During the time of the founding, there was a lot of discussion whether to have a national government or whether to have a federal government with the states as sovereign entities subject only to national laws when the federal government preempted them. Things like the Voting Rights Act, Section 5. In fact, our very form of government was designed with checks and balances, with dispersed authority, primarily to protect the individual freedom of we the people. Our founders had the wisdom to devise a system of government comprised of three separate branches, co equal, to ensure that no single person nor single institution became too powerful. Because, again, they viewed the more powerful that, that single or single institution became, the less accountable they would be to the people and the less freedom we would have to conduct our own lives as we see fit. But as we know, it's not just distributed laterally among the various branches. It's distributed vertically as well. Constitution makes clear that the states retain all authority not delegated to the federal government. That's the Tenth Amendment to the United States Constitution. Of course, the power given to uh, states is sometimes set forth explicitly. For example, the Constitution gives the states the authority to set the time, place, and manner of elections. That's in the Constitution itself. Others are reserved under the Tenth Amendment. 
Now, make no mistake, the federal government has very, very important responsibilities. When it comes to our national defense, when it comes to regulating interstate commerce, international diplomacy, setting taxes, managing our national debt and deficit, the federal government should and must take the lead. But this is simply not a monarchy, not a authoritarian form of government in other parts of the world. Our government is not top down, it's bottom up when it comes to the distribution of powers. The federal government was not designed to authorize anyone, including the President of the United States, the authority for sweeping mandates for the people of this country. Thomas Jefferson famously said, the government closest to the people serves the people best. And that's how he described the benefit of this bottom-up form of government rather than top-down, Washington knows best form of government that our Democratic colleagues seem to embrace almost across the board. For everything from health care to elections, colleagues across the aisle have attempted to make prescriptive decisions against every state, city, and community across the country. By prescriptive decisions, I mean to tie the hands or to say, jump, and expect states and local governments to ask how high. But we're already beginning to see cracks in this strategy when it comes clear that Washington doesn't really know best. Democrats have another idea. Blame somebody else. Just look at the federal government's response to the pandemic of COVID-19. President Biden ran on a promise of strong pandemic response by the federal government. He promised to make free testing widely available. He pledged to stop the misinformation that led to widespread confusion about the virus. And he's vowed that public health decisions would be made by public health professionals and not based on political considerations. Looking back, it's clear the American people were sold snake oil. As folks across the country can attest, free testing may exist, but you can't find an appointment to get one of those tests. Rapid tests are in short supply. So then I'm going to stop him right there because, um, like I said, they're always going to bypass this they still believe in COVID thing. Like they always going to still act like they believe in COVID. Um, um, and it's real and blah blah blah. You know. So they whole thing is, oh, you messing up. You a bad president. You a bad president. All right, we're gonna move to the next one. Oh, you a bad president. You a bad president. <laughs> that's that's the cycle that we're gonna keep going through. Every four years, we're gonna get another bad president. And then what's going to change? Nothing. Just they might build new sidewalks or, you know, build a new Coney Island or McDonald's or, you know, something like that. But nothing not too big, you know. Y'all might make just enough. You might have a little bit of money left over when you pay your bills. Maybe a little bit. Maybe a little bit. That'll keep you happy. You know what I'm saying? But you won't have a lot. So, as long as they can, then we're going to 
make you pay um, a whole, yeah, we're going to make you pay a whole bunch of money for a little bit of goods. And that's what, so you're getting, you're getting a whole bunch of nothing for a lot. So, um, this is crazy. Mm, I'm not sure. I feel like I should watch the whole thing. Um, because he don't have, like I said, I don't feel like I have to listen to him make that claim that Joe Biden doesn't have the, you know, order to do that. So they always say it's illegal mandates and, you know, so whatever. So they, they play their role. I still don't trust none of them. Honestly, I don't. I just, I can't. And then oh, Amy Coney Barrett, she went viral on hers uh, when, where it says, when does this emergency end? So I'm going to play that a little bit. Hi, it's Stacey Abrams. I hate her. <laughs> oh, my God. This she this girl made me want to grow. All right. Two questions, both of which address the status of this rule as an emergency temporary standard. So my first question had to do with the question with which Justice Thomas opened, which is necessary. So of course, OSHA passes a rule through regular regulatory process. Um, it has to go through notice and comment, and that's a way of holding an agency accountable. All affected people have an opportunity to comment, and the agency develops a, a robust record. With an ETS, of course, the agency can circumvent that process so that it can act more quickly. So for an ETS, we would want that power to be the exception, not the rule. And one contrast that the applicants point out between OSHA's authority to issue an ETS versus a regular regulation is that for its exercise of power in the normal course, it need only find that a regulation be reasonably necessary, but for an ETS, it has to satisfy a necessary standard. Now you've argued, and I think there's a lot of intuitive appeal to this, that when you're facing an emergency of the magnitude of this pandemic, that this power effectively can be used most effectively as a blunt instrument. You know, we don't have time to make industry by industry specific kind of calculations because we wanna move with speed. But how do you reconcile that understanding of necessary with the broader reasonably necessary standard in OSHA's normal regulatory authority? So we certainly agree that the emergency temporary standards reference to necessary as contrasted with reasonably necessary and appropriate is a, is a heightened burden and includes a measure of tailoring that's necessary with respect to the particular mitigation measures. But I don't think that that helps the applicants here because they haven't come forward with any alternative mitigation measures that they think would equally protect the workers that OSHA found were in but great do they danger. have to come forward with that evidence or did OSHA have to consider it and reject it? Because another part of their contention is that OSHA did not ad adequately explain why this measure, this particular rule and its scope was necessary vis-a-vis -vis or as compared to other possibilities. Well, OSHA explained that at length over dozens of pages in the 150-page preamble to the rule. OSHA specifically explained why vaccination as the single most effective way to target all of the ways that the virus threatens workers in the workplace 
was a necessary measure here, and it further explained why masking and testing would be essential if workers remain unvaccinated in order to ensure that despite their higher risk level of contracting the virus, they couldn't carry it into the workplace and spread it to their co-workers. So I think the suggestion that this wasn't adequately explained is inconsistent with the, the arguments they're making. And as I understand their tailoring arguments, earlier in the argument on two things, the categories of workers and the, the particular workplaces. And they haven't suggested that there are other mitigation measures there that OSHA neglects to consider. They're saying those things should have just been carved out altogether. But that is inconsistent with the secretary's judgment that all unvaccinated workers face a grave danger and that the risk exists anywhere that employees are gathered indoors together. And again, there might be subcategories within those groups that are in graver danger, but I don't think there is any basis on this record to conclude that the agency lacked substantial evidence to draw the lines that it did. That's helpful, thank you. My, my second question is, again, about the status of this rule as an ETS. But Chief Judge Sutton pointed out in his dissent from the denial of initial en banc that OSHA did not adopt this rule in response to the emergency, quiet emergency, because that had been ongoing since early 2020. But instead, it responded to new facts on the ground, which included a widespread availability of a vaccine that maybe it was a surprise many people chose to forego and the emergence of the Delta variant. And Chief Judge Sutton pointed out that in an extended pandemic, or I don't know if we've moved to an endemic such as this one, facts will continually change. New variants will emerge. There might be new treatments, new vaccinations. We, we have boosters now, right? So now full vaccination might not just be the two jabs. It might include a booster as well. So when does the emergency end? I mean, a lot of this argument has been about Congress's failure to act. Two years from now, do we have any reason to think that COVID will be gone or that new variants might not be emerging? And when, when must OSHA actually resort to its regular authority and go through notice and comment and not simply be kind of doing it um, in this quick way, which doesn't afford people the voice in the process that they're otherwise entitled to? So I think if I could respond to that in a few different ways. Congress defined when the emergency exists. It, it, labeled this an emergency temporary standard, but it's dictated by the statutory requirements. So there has to be a grave danger from a physically harmful agent or a new hazard, and the measures have to be necessary to protect against that danger. And we don't think that there's an additional free-floating requirement um, about the emergency status that has to be taken into account. So it could be an emergency two more years from now. Well, I certainly take the point that the emergency can be of substantial duration. Of course, this is not a way to to bypass notice and comment permanently, Congress further specified that the agency is expected to conduct a rulemaking process over six months. And, and that's why the agency estimated uh, the, the lives saved, the hospitalizations prevented over the six month life of the rule. Sure, but I was envisioning a new rule, right? Like, you know, OSHA might two years from now adopt something that's different from this vaccine or mask and test mandate. I'm just talking about the limits more generally on OSHA's power under the ETS provision. The limits, I think, are the ones written into the statute. And so if you want to project out two years from now, I think it's entirely possible, of course, that the trajectory of the pandemic will change. I certainly hope so. And in that case, OSHA, I think, would have to, if it wanted to regulate again, cross the, the high burden of showing a grave danger. You know, this is a, an authority it has used sparingly in cases of, of what we think are true emergencies. And I think to suggest, based on concern about what might happen in the future, that its authority should be constrained or clipped now when we are in the middle of an unprecedented pandemic that is claiming more lives than we've seen in a shorter amount of time would do a disservice to Congress's anticipation that OSHA might need to act quickly in response to dangers like this.
Thank you. Mr. Keller, rebuttal. First, we need to stay now before enforcement starts. Our members have to submit publicly their plans to how to comply with this regulatory behemoth on Monday. Vaccines would need to occur by February 9th. You would need two vaccines to comply. Those vaccines would have to start immediately. Tracking and record keeping cannot happen overnight. And on tests, you heard my friend, the Solicitor General, mention the media reports that we've all seen about shortages of tests and cost increasing. Our declarations, appendix page 345 and 374, confirm that as well. And that's exactly why workers will quit right away. You don't even have to take our word for it. The federal government, Postal Service and Amtrak both say the same things. What OSHA did is they cherry picked one study about healthcare workers, a very specific industry and what that worker attrition rate would be. Again, two declaration sites, we have plenty more, but appendix pages 351 and 374. My second point to close on is about who decides in the public interest. And I would submit that this court's precedents answer that. We're not asking this court to reverse anything. Industrial Union 40 years ago in Justice Stevenson's controlling opinion said that there was an absence of a clear mandate in the OSHA Act. So it's unreasonable to assume that Congress gave OSHA unprecedented power over American industry and the emergency power is also narrowly circumscribed. Yet here OSHA has never before done mandated vaccines or widespread testing, much less over all industries or on an emergency basis. So whether we're talking about the agency's failure to explain, whether we're talking about the statutory term necessary, whether we're talking about how this has to be tethered to the workplace under the major questions doctrine, under any one of those theories, we are likely to succeed on the merits. And finally, when it comes to the public interest, as this court just recognized a few months ago, it is undisputable that the public has a strong interest in combating the spread of the COVID-19 Delta variant, but our system does not permit agencies to act unlawfully, even in pursuit of desirable ends. We would respectfully request a stay of this unprecedented sweeping S ETS before Monday. Thank you, counsel. The applications are submitted. My chance of survival. Very poor. The call to DMC result is. <clears throat> so you're gonna listen to that again. It sounds like <sighs> oh mm -mm -mm -mm. Hmm, let's read some of the comments. It say, did this lawyer not get the memo? People who got the job can transmit and contract this. Why is everyone ignoring this fact? How could anyone claim this as gravely dangerous? The survivor, the disability is 99.97%. <laughs> This tyranny calls itself itself necessary good. If the standards would lead to a revolution, there will be a lot of people who are going to get a jab and they are they aren't going to starve to death either. Something will have to give. This whole order reminds me of don't look up citizens being dumbed down by politicians. How can it be mandatory if manufacturers is exempt from liability? We are really stupid as a society 
or we are just scared to say no. So they are arguing whether OSHA has the authority under emergency to violate my body, my freedoms. It's simple. No, they do not. And if they and if they say they do, I would not comply. This is early disgusting. So being mandated to receive something that is illegal from exempt libraries is the third. So, you know, these are a lot of people in the comic section. I don't know at the end, I just want to listen to the 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 the, the um the um the ending of that because it to me it sounds like he's just trying to buy off time but I'm not sure so I want to listen to that again let me see my second point close on is about who decides in the public interest and I would submit that this court's precedents answer that we're not asking this court to reverse anything industrial union 40 years ago in justice Stevens's controlling opinion said that there was an absence of a clear mandate in the OSHA Act. So it's unreasonable to assume that Congress gave OSHA unprecedented power over American industry and the emergency power is also narrowly circumscribed. Yet here OSHA has never before done mandated vaccines or widespread testing, much less over all industries or on an emergency basis. So whether we're talking about the agency's failure to explain, whether we're talking about the statutory term necessary, whether we're talking about how this has to be tethered to the workplace under the major questions doctrine, under any one of those theories, we are likely to succeed on the merits. And finally, when it comes to the public interest, as this court just recognized a few months ago, it is undisputable that the public has a strong interest in combating the spread of the COVID-19 Delta variant, but our system does not permit agencies to act unlawfully, even in pursuit of desirable ends. We would respectfully request a stay of this unprecedented sweeping ass ETS before Monday. Thank you, counsel. The applications are submitted. What did he mean, a stay? Hold on, what? What does it mean? It's saying, in a nutshell, a state is a request to maintain the status quo. So to speak while your appeal is pending. Now knowing what to what a stay is, the purpose behind it, we discuss the process of obtaining a stay. The first step is to file a request with the trial to stay in enforcement of a judge pursuant it to trial rule 62. Let's read that again. In a nutshell, a stay is a request to maintain Status the this the status quo. See, I don't even know what a status quo is. I don't even know what that is. I don't. I don't. So it says, so to speak, while your appeal is a pending, now knowing what to say. Oh my God, this is crazy. Okay, so I guess they wanna still talk. You know, I get 
being in cahoots with the, you know, the judge and, you know, something like that. So, I'm just thinking maybe, I mean, I, I feel like that was a good argument because, you know, he did point out some facts, which is OSHA never mandated any, like, people to take a vaccine before they started work. Like, this is new. And they said they have, like, basically, they trying to say they got married. They got basically every right to do so. And he's saying they don't. So, let's, let's. And he bring up some facts, so maybe, um, I don't know. I believe it might, we might win, just like the Navy did. So I got faith when it comes to the Navy because, like, they already won. So even if they, even if we didn't win, I would still take my, um, I mean, I would still take, Daniel McCarthy advice when he says 10,000 of us went to the governor's office and demand what we wanted. Now, I'm trying to think about how many people that was in that protest in uh, Kazakhstan because they said they were arrested, fit, I mean, 5,000 people. So I'm thinking to myself, how many troops was out there? Was it more troops than the um it must have been bigger than the protest. Is that possible? I mean, because they couldn't arrest hundreds of thousands of people. But they said 5,000. But they never did say how many protesters was out there. They never said that. So think about it. I'm not saying um, that we need to start violence, but I feel like, I still feel like we still outnumber them, even with their troops. So I got to go. I'll record another day. I'll see y'all soon. Well, I guess y'all listen to me soon.